welcome along to the Brain for Business, Brain for Life podcast with me, Lawrence Snell, where we take the lessons from evidence-based academic research, most particularly involving the brain and behavioral sciences, and translate them in a way that is accessible for leaders and organizations. I'm delighted to welcome to this episode of Brain for Business, Brain for Life, Sarah Kennedy. Sarah is the founder of Uplift Marketing and an award-winning marketing professional. She's an expert in content marketing, social media marketing, and digital performance marketing. As well as that, she is an adjunct teaching fellow at Trinity College Dublin, specializing in social media marketing, and is currently pursuing doctoral studies at Trinity, looking at key aspects of influencer marketing and consumer behavior. In the spare time, Sarah runs the Irish Wedding Blog and is an expert in all things wedding related. Sarah, it's great to speak to you. Thank you so much for having me. So what are influencers? Well, I suppose this is um, how, how long is a piece of string. So you can look at this from various different ways. I suppose in a very, very basic way, an influencer is someone that is um, that can influence you. OK, so it could be a peer, it could be a celebrity, it could be a range and an array of those different pieces. But when I look at it in particular from a marketing context, we are now in the era of influencer marketing in a digital and social context. So that is really where on social media platforms you will have influential people, whether they're at mass, which is in this macro influencer space or whether they're very much in their niche in this micro space. So, for example, they are, you know, industry leaders within a very particular subject matter or it could be somebody that is you know um if you look at it from a linkedin perspective you might have somebody who's who's a thought leader in a particular industry in a particular layer of that industry so it's basically anyone that can motivate you to change your behavior to consider something or make you aware of something cognitively is influencing you so from an influencer marketing I suppose in easy terms for businesses, it's accessing somebody that has access to an audience whereby you can cut through and use their influence to transfer that positivity and that awareness of your brand to their audience. I, I notice you very much position influences in terms of digital and online and social media, but have there always been influences if we look back in, in, in terms of history or, or is it very much a new phenomenon associated with digital and, and social? Yeah, no, it's not a new phenomenon at all. And if I go into, I suppose, the grounding and marketing, you're, you're, every single piece of literature that you're being referred to goes back to celebrity endorsement and that celebrity influence. Um, so, you know, if you take the roots and the marketing behavior of that industry or that a celebrity spokesperson that is in in its essence what um influencer marketing is is just a new version of it's 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 word of mouth um between advocates people that are endorsing your product um and it's just taking that into a new environment but yes absolutely from a celebrity point of view celebrities have always been chartered by brands whether it's you know George Clooney or whether it's you know Brad Pitt whether it's Julia Roberts whoever it may be it's putting their name to a product to give it a stamp of approval to influence people and to get front of mind and leveraging their positive um, characteristics and brand appeal to put that onto your own brand to get that that same um, to get that same kind of transference. So it has always been there. But if you go way back in history, it's anyone that has motivated somebody else to take action. So you're going into some of the most prominent leaders that have been able to influence 
a community, a country to take to make change. Um, so you've got this social aspect, but then we're looking at it very much in, I suppose, that business context as well. You mentioned you mentioned a number of names there: George Clooney, Brad Pitt, etc. But then also linked into say um, you know, political and, and and leaders. What would you say, and and perhaps what does the you know research and experience show? Are some of the key characteristics of influences. So I think, you know, originally when you look back at and, and I can take this, I suppose, from the marketing perspective where we're looking at, um, you know, that 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 celebrity piece. Um, there, there were three components that were proven in, 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 in research that um, are the perfect recipe for cutting through and, and reaching an audience um, to ensure that they're influenced. And that is that the the person who is influencing must have trust. They must be trusted. Um, they must be seen as expert um, or aligned with the subject matter that you're promoting. So, for example, if you put George Clooney on um, lipstick, that's not going to work. But if you put George Clooney with some coffee or with a luxury car, that would work. Um, but then there's attractiveness. So it has been proven that I suppose the attractiveness of that person that is um, that is endorsing, that is influencing. That is a really, really important component when it comes to influencing an audience and also somebody that is attractive, not just from from physically, but from those who are relatable that the audience can relate to. So they feel that they're attracted to the personality as well so that they can they understand who that person is and they feel a little bit of that themselves they find that in their inner selves so they can make that connection even though they don't know that person but what we're seeing now in in the social context is authenticity is a big piece so if you go back to celebrities they would have been paid they would have been scripted they would have been directed there would be photo shoots um film shoots etc to you know very 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 distinct crafted um output of content Whereas now with influencers in a social media context, they're the content creators. So brands have to hand themselves over to that influencer to produce the end result content. So there's, you know, a lot less control. But with that comes a huge screaming component of, of, of a characteristic that's important for influencers. And that's authenticity. So authenticity for me and from, I suppose, from research and from across the industry is authenticity crashed with trust are two of the main components. And when we look at authenticity, it's that unique piece and that believability and that alignment with the personal brand a person has. So for example, where influencers have come under criticism over years has been they're endorsing products for the sake of getting that quick that quick book. They're endorsing products that they don't use that are not in line with what they would normally do. Um, and it's very clear that there's a motive behind it. So that authenticity and trust piece has to be very, very much aligned. So the authenticity of the output and what they're doing, what they're showing, what they're putting in front of the audience has to be aligned with their personal beliefs and values for it to be trusted. Um, and that is one of the big components. So if anybody is like a, a brand is thinking of working with influencers, just because somebody has a voice doesn't mean it's the right voice for your business. They have to be a strong voice in the particular area that you and the audience that you're trying to attract as well for it to be authentic and believed to be trustable. And when I listen to you outlining the, those key characteristics, the two words that come to mind most are, first of all, believability. Uh, mm -hmm. I have to believe the person. So as you said, I may not necessarily believe that George Clooney 
would wear makeup, even though, or, or lipstick, I think the example you gave, even though he, he may well do so, and that's fine. But I might believe a bit more that actually he's really into to coffee and then thus Nespresso and then that, uh, that relationship. But also relatability that, you know, I, I can kind of relate to him perhaps or relate to, say, Julia Roberts in a different context, just again, picking up on his examples that you've given. W- would those two words be reasonable, do you think? Yes, 100%. I think that's why um, we now have this influencer marketing industry. Um, it's because of the relatability, because what social media has allowed the general punter, we'll call them, to gain a voice, to gain a following. And um, and that's on the basis that they give out a certain amount of information about their expertise or their life, um, particularly the lifestyle um influencers they're giving out so much of themselves that people can see and go that is i can relate to that i see that in myself or i see that um in in how i go about making purchase decisions or i aspire to be like that person so that is where the relatability comes in it's making that connection so this is the beauty of let's go to instagram where you've got stories stories is really a place where you will have an influencer in their day to day life, just putting this, you know, the camera to themselves, walking around their house, showing it in all its in, in its all its beauty. And same for vloggers on YouTube as well. You're getting to see that real side of themselves. No makeup on in some cases that makes it that relatable piece. Um, they talk openly about their struggles Um, they bring awareness to certain things that they've been through. And that's really what gives that connection that celebrity may not be as open because they're thinking about, you know, their massive sponsorships and they may be thinking about, you know, their next role. So it is very much a case that they may and they're not as uh, you may not feel as relatable to a celebrity because there is that distance with the celebrity um, than there is with that social media influencer. They're a lot they feel a lot more accessible. And and so if we think about things, perhaps from a a psychological perspective, is it that 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 really drives that influencer influencee relationship if if i can use that terminology yes i i th- i believe so and i think um like i look at there's some celebrities with um with instagram followings and they don't have um half the engagement because people are kind of like oh that's that person who's on the movie screen so it's not the same thing but yet you would see a, a homegrown or as I call them an, an indigenous um, social media influencer where they've started from the bottom, bottom people have, have watched them grow and grow and grow through their following and they've actually been part of the journey there's a certain amount of that their followers and their loyal fans have, have, have got them to the position of this big macro following so they feel really part of the journey and what you will find with um with social media influencers that they engage with their audience, which is, you know, that's one of the core components of maintaining an audience. They reply back to comments, they do Q and A's, they do live sessions where they're answering questions and really connecting and talking directly to an audience. So that builds up their likability score. That's not to say celebrities aren't likable, but it's just that they've got stronger access, which makes it more connect, gives it that stronger connectivity in a social media environment. But how do we then, I guess, discern between what's real uh, and, and, and what's not real? So as, as you said, an influencer, a vlogger might take people for a walk around their house or, or show them what they're cooking for dinner or whatever it is that they might, might be doing. How, how do we actually know that that's real versus something that is simply staged and stage managed for camera? 
So I think the thing about it is, is that, you know, there, there's there's very little at the moment. Right. So I'll give you an example. So say the likes of TikTok, where, you know, there is a high production rate because you may have cameras, you're editing, you're doing a huge amount of that that is made for TikTok. So there's a certain level of output that's going to be um, it's going to be edited. But where you've got the likes of an Instagram story, you you can't edit, you know, it's it's not as editable. People can put filters on all right, but there's certain amount that, of course, influencers are not going to let absolutely every single thing about their personal lives. You know, they're not going to hand everything over. Some do. Don't get me wrong. They hand absolutely everything over to their public and their following. But you I think it's really down to the perception of the audience, whether I could look at somebody and go like that's, you know, you know that's that's not real life but some to others that may feel that that is relatable to their own life may perceive that to be um to be authentic and real so absolutely there there is a level of production and ceremony with certain output that influencers put out particularly when they get to a level of 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 macro stage and where they're dealing with huge brands and that there has to be a certain quality lens on the picture that goes out and so on but um but ultimately, they wouldn't have the following they have if they don't open the door a little bit, um, because naturally the audience don't want to see picture perfect all the time as well. They love and, and influencers know that, that they have to give the makeup free or, you know, the you know, the admitting to failure and showing when they've, you know, haven't been as successful as they want to be showing that backstory. So it does it does exist, but it's the ones that do really well are the ones that can balance that um high quality production for brands versus letting that little bit in and that honesty and integrity in their life as well. I'm, I'm curious though, that you mentioned in, in terms of some of the characteristics of influencers, things like you know authenticity, believability, trust, expert, relatability, all of that sort of stuff. And I completely get that. Yet a recent trend in terms of influencers has been the emergence of what could be called virtual influencers. Can you tell us what are virtual influencers and and how they work? So yeah, look, it's a it's it's a mad phenomenon, and it's so interesting to to look at, and it's why I've chosen to go down this route to study it. Um, so basically, this is where you know you've got robotic labs across the world. They've you know synthesized, created um, influencers that are essentially robots, and we go to um, brood over in in the US they have been um one of the more prominent and most successful with the case study of little Michaela so this is an influencer that they created she is virtual um she is basically a virtual influencer with a social conscious so she she advocates and she um she is very very immersed in um in actual social issues um very much in her in her bio she you know she calls out her stance on black lives matter she is um she, there is a feeling a certain feeling of relatability insofar as what she says um is very in tune with her target market so you know without you have a very powerful machine behind that you've got a team that work behind to create Lil Michaela in all aspects, the content she says, the content she produces and um, what she's wearing. She's working with brands, Prada, whoever she's working with all of them, whereby product placement is put virtually within her her imagery. And 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 that in itself is really, um, I suppose, it in a crux. It's it's basically taking 
synthesizing or replicating, not necessarily replicating because she does have quite a distinct individual identity, but taking the components of what influencer marketing is and and uh, turning it into a robot. So um, a huge following base. We're talking over a million and we're talking about massive engagement. But that engagement, what we're looking for is does it impact? Does it drive? Does it actually drive value for a brand? Is it good for a brand to be seen with, you know, such a type of influencer? Is it novelty or is it here to stay? So these are all the questions that we're trying to understand at the moment. Um, like I'm definitely seeing brands taking their own lead, creating, you know, I've seen Essence Makeup, they had their own, um, you know, virtual influencer in turn. So going behind the scenes, looking at what it is in Essence, you know, to, and that's just really to build up that kind of internal branding piece. But you are seeing it, you're seeing it from across the, across the globe. There are various labs that are making and um, are home, grow, home growing these um, virtual influencers, trying to come up with the perfect recipe. And Brood will say themselves um, that they will put up a post and if it does not get the level of engagement that they're happy with, they know that it's not what the audience wants. So they take it down and start again. So that's, you know, that's interesting in itself um, that you've got that level of curation behind getting the perfect post. You wouldn't see on the human side that level of um Oh, people didn't like it. I'll take it down. You know, it, it doesn't work. It, it You know, it, it works different on from a human aspect, but it is it's incredibly interesting. And the potential of how brands can use it um, is isn't, you know, it really it, it's it's you can have your official spokesperson as your own cultivated, um, perfect influencer that, you know, overnight can't be caught up in, you know, a certain scandal or, you know, which is always the big the big issue when you're trying to sign a celebrity to endorse your brand, you know, particularly with sports sports stars, there may be some controversy in their own personal life. And then all of a sudden you, you want to detach that from your brand because that's what you're leveraging. With the virtual influencer, it's quite a controlled environment, um, but it's the trans it's the transparency to, so that the audience know that this is a virtual influencer that you're dealing with so that it, they're not being misled and they're very clear. Um, and I suppose that's that's where America has a long way to go in terms of the transparency in letting people know they're being marketed to. There's a lot of product placement in their posts that aren't declared as ads. We're, we're a lot stronger on, on this side in, in Europe by far. Um, we're a lot more diligent um, over the last number of, of years in terms of calling out and being transparent with the audience where a where an influencer is is endorsing a product and being paid or there's a relationship there and um, that isn't as as transparent as it should be so i think it does have um it will be interesting to see will those levels of engagement still be as prominent that they're currently getting when they start declaring sponsored hashtag ad and, and so on it is completely mad i, I have to admit this whole virtual influencer thing is at least to my mind completely yeah. mad and I, I guess where i'm struggling with it is this notion of authenticity and and the believability um is it about so i guess developing a, a character or a persona and then ensuring that i think you mentioned little michaela 
and she has a position on Black Lives Matter, that that sort of position is adhered to and, and forms part of her persona over time mm -hmm. uh, in a believable, relatable way, rather than say this week it's Black Lives Matter and next week it's it's something completely politically different that con yeah. contradicts that. Is that how it would work? Well, no, I don't. I think the, the for this to work, they can't jump from view to view and they have to be very strong in their intent. And I think, okay, they may change fashion style and they may, you know, do different beauty style. I think that's allowed, but very much something that's a personality trait. So it's the same as if you were, I, I don't know if you remember this, but you could create Sims. Um, mm. When you went to Sims, you could create a whole village and a whole um, characterization. And, and, you know, we can all go in and do that. And I do think that virtual influencing is going to be a lot more accessible. I think we will all be able to um, create our own virtual influencer and 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 live the life we aspire to live of perfection you know and i think that comes with its caveats but um i think that with this those who are creating these virtual influencers have to it, it's almost like if you were to write a character for a movie you can't have for the character to be believed and for this to really ingrain and get that following and that engagement and to get longevity um, in the loyalty, you have to be very clear on creating that character and the plot and the characteristics and, and sticking to it. So it's very much um, when they are developing that character, they're saying this character will be this. This is what they'll do. They may flex it and refine it, of course, um, but ultimately they can't flip flop between different viewpoints um, politically, I, I don't think, because this is ingrained in a personality. Um, so um, so, yeah, so I think that's that I, I don't see any of those curators being um, being that um, flippant, I suppose, with with real social issues. Now, that's a, an interesting way to put it when you described in terms of a, of a character. Uh, in a movie or perhaps a book or a television series where there you know there is the the central aspect of the the, the, the character that uh, that stays the same but it develops over time and and they move in different ways and I, I guess yeah, when you put it like that I can understand how the the, the virtual influences uh, might might work I, I'm curious as well that you know going back to, to some of the first comments you made about social media and digital and then coming all the way through to that discussion of virtual influences it's, it's all very online and you know typically younger generations are more online and, and digital natives than mm -hmm. say older generations D does that mean that this is something that is that younger generations are more engaged with it and possibly even susceptible to than older generations? Or is it that people do it in different ways? I think, yeah, I think, well, the mass is really in the digital native area in terms of um, in terms of scale. But I think that we all are influenced um, once you've got once you're on social media, regardless of your age, there is going to be somebody, whether it's um, a, a, a thought leader on um, on Twitter whether it's somebody, a journalist on Twitter, whether it's in LinkedIn within your um, professional network, it's not just this kind of Instagram fashion piece with digital natives. It can it can happen across the board. Um, like, for example, in the B2B environment, like, you know, Lawrence, even for yourself, if you were to come out um, and on your LinkedIn profile and start talking about, you know, piece of software that you use for productivity, you can be guaranteed you've probably influenced maybe one or two businesses to maybe adopt that. So, so that's, that's influencing. 
Um, and that that is irrespective of of demographic, I suppose. That's you know people who, regardless of age, have a particular interest, um, and but share that um, desire to be better at what they're doing and so on. So um, yes, while for certain industries there are certain influencers that will um, you know drive a mass volume in terms of fashion, beauty, etc. But outside of that you do have an older um an older generation that are also being influenced they will still follow certain people that they want to follow that they want to listen to whether and they could there could be crossover of celebrity but they're still being influenced through a social platform um, and there are many like i look even just in an irish context if you look at um style queen eileen okay um she is a lady in her i think she's in her kind of towards her late in her mid to late 60s um and she has her own instagram profile she's you know she is influencing that lady generation around fashion you know and and there's she noticed a fantastic gap in the market and she is now being endorsed by all sorts of of fashion brands she's on rte television so that just goes to show how it can mobilize into into the traditional form as well um if you're doing the right stuff and you've you found that niche so um so i do think that yeah the scale absolutely uh gen z millennial but there is a market and it is still whether it's business to business or whether it is that older demographic um there is still opportunity to to access that audience if you are um, a brand looking to align with somebody who is influential you just have to find that influential person that is meaningful to that audience and you mentioned b2b there business to business you know if a if a business or an organization of any type uh, is looking to engage with an influencer how do they do that um what, what like how do they find the right influencer for them that is going to properly represent them or, or give them the access that they're after so I think, yeah, that that's probably one of the, the, the areas that businesses struggle the most. It's it's that alignment. So I think, first of all, it's really understand your industry and the, the digital footprint within your industry. Who is talking about matters that affect your business? Who are those prominent thought leaders? And I think LinkedIn is a fantastic space because you can search by hashtag what conversation is going on and find those key people that are the most influential and looking at their, 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 their engagement levels. But I think the, the big piece is it's called social listening. So it's listening out to people talking about maybe your brand, talking about relevant matters within your industry or your vertical and finding those people who are um, thought leaders and engaging with them to see can they, whether it's coming on a podcast, whether it's recommending your product, whether it's guest posting, whether it's getting them to um, talk at a conference for your clients um, signing up for a webinar. So it, it works in those sort of ways from a B2B perspective. And the same applies for, for B2C, where you have to want to access a consumer base. And this is where the challenge lies because the consumer side, it's such a vast valley. You know, it's, you know, who do I work with? There's so many people in this space. How do I cut through and find the right people? And look, there are various ways and 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 means about doing that. And it's it's it takes a lot of time. But social listening is really your first port of call. So staying in tune and even, you know, following those hashtags or even Google alerts around the conversation that is most important to your business and finding people that are prominent and talking about that. And you can see within commentary, you know, with certain influencers, look back at their previous work where they've worked with maybe similar um, brands and um, or, you know, 
brands that are relatable but not necessarily in your vertical and just look at the comments within that post do they have any comments you know are there people saying that's great I think I'm going to look up this myself um and so on so it's just being really having the ear to the ground but also if it is something that is quite complex and there's there's no time or there's you know not the skills in-house to do that you you can bring in outside help to assist you with that um where people are very tuned in across all verticals knowing who's who or or have the quick the quick wins on how to um to find those people and there's also many agencies that represent um whether it is more on the education side that thought leadership business side there are influence there are agencies that specialize within that plus then you've got you know a wealth of agency that are across the consumer side where one phone call with one of the representatives they will be able to align you with the best fit that's on their portfolio but i would always encourage if you're doing large-scale campaigns for sure to to work with maybe somebody from pr because pr have the finger on the pulse in terms of those influential people that will be um the best fit for your brand as well so there's you know there's there's definitely various routes that you can get there but if it's brand new to you and you don't feel comfortable definitely reach out for that that piece of help with those who know what they're doing in that space and and if someone were were doing that you know and you, you touched on this earlier on does it make a difference if an influencer is being paid to promote a product does that influence the degree to which customers engage or customers perceive authenticity and believability so at the moment um the research that's coming back is saying that no once it's once um customers know that it's transparent um and that it's being declared and it's very upfront that this is a paid promotion and all of the tools have those um those buttons that influencers can press to say this is a paid partnership um it's making no difference um but where the difference comes is do does that influencer or thought leader speak differently when they're promoting something versus when they are naturally advocating for something that they like. So that's where the difference I feel and um, just from observation, I haven't put it to test yet, but I can definitely see the difference with someone who's talking very naturally about something that they're passionate about versus, you know, if their tone changes when a brand has handed them something and um, it's 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 making sure that it is believable and the only way for that to be believable is if it's very clear that the influencer has taken on a product or a service that they um that they would actually use because i think when you ask an influencer to endorse something that they really get and they believe you when you go into that negotiation phase and they get it you can really hear the passion um and the sincerity so it does transfer well out to an audience. So they don't have to be necessarily using your product for it to be believable. They just have to make sure that when they are, that they're not going into promotion mode or feeling like it is a marketing message, you know. So that's why it's really important that when you are working with an influencer, that it aligns with their natural behaviors. Um, so generally when I'm doing campaigns with influencers, I, you know, while we have a certain level of, depending on the brand you're working with, you might have a certain level of brand guidance and certain, you know, style or tone that we want to align with. But ultimately, you know, you are very much saying to that influencer, please be you. This is what, you know, this is what your audience want from you. We understand our role in this and, um, you know, have fun with it. Make sure that it's, you know, you're, you're doing your utmost to protect our brand and you're not, you know, doing anything to put us at risk. But ultimately, you are the curator. We have come to you for this service. So therefore, it's in your hands. So I think once you've got that very clear 
um, relationship that you're dealing with a human being that is creative and um, and giving the credit for the following that they have. They know what to do with their audience more so than you will. So don't be too prescriptive in what you're briefing into them. Fascinating insights there. Sarah Kennedy of Uplift Marketing and Trinity College Dublin. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Our theme song, La La Song, Electronic Beat Time and Dream Sequence by Lorenzo's Music is licensed under an attribution, share and share alike license.